Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. It's Wednesday, January 30th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim, Chet, Chesco. And, hey, Chet, the Flyers are on fire. They won five in a row. Amazing what good goaltending does. I think you've been saying that for a few years. The Sixers yeah. pounded the LeBron-less Lakers last night in L.A., taking a 19-point first-quarter lead. New news out of Citizens Bank Park seems to be heating up, but still no Bryce Harper. But we have Jimmy Rollins back in the fold. Where is that big fish? And, oh, yeah, they're playing a pretty big football game on Sunday in Atlanta. We have to make our final season predictions tonight. Yeah, that we do, Bill. And the Bryce Watch is heating up with all sorts of rumors and speculation out there. And before we go any further, I've got to do one thing while we can still do this, that memorable Wheel of Fortune moment from last spring. And here it is right here. Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. That's it. That's it. Can't say that before. Oh, good stuff. Well, you know, Chad, I, I was having a discussion the other day with our buddy Adam Ejessic. He stopped over here at the house, and, you know, he was worried about his tattered Super Bowl champion flag having to make it for just one more week. And I say, you know what? That flag can fly forever. We're always Super Bowl champions now. Always Super Bowl 52 champions. That'll never change anyway. Well, any reason not to? Uh, that, that uh, Is it like a man rule that you have to take your flag down? No, you don't have to. But you can no longer after this Sunday say that we are the Super Bowl champs. I mean, you'll always be the Super Bowl 52 champs. But, you know, you've got to give the current team props, whoever wins this Sunday. Yeah, okay. Even if it's Tom Brady. Yeah. Oh, Bill, don't forget <laughs> You didn't mention this in your little intro, but uh, you're not getting out of it. We have the season three premiere tonight of Random Q2 later in the show. How dare you not mention that? Well, you caught me off guard when it showed up in the <laughs> promo because you decided not to share that with me. So we have that. <laughs> yeah, and we discovered we discovered uh, today that you don't actually read the promos that I put out there. So, boy, that tells me something. Well, it's because I'm busy working on trying to get this show put together. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a busy guy, I know. Yes, I uh, am. Yeah. Hey, we always say we're excited, you know, to have new guests on Philly Press Box Radio. and We have one tonight in WIP's James Seltzer. Uh, you know, we'll be all over the Philly sports scene with him. And uh, we have our good friend Villanova grad, Brian Finneran, back to talk about the Super Bowl and what's going on in his hometown of Atlanta this week as well. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I talked to Brian today. I did that interview. We'll hear that on tape. And, boy, he, he is so good. Such a nice guy and very knowledgeable. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy hearing that one. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I know there's a lot going on in Atlanta. And, uh, as you know, my, my son Mike, who's been a guest of ours with his Iron Man stuff, also lives in Atlanta. Uh, so I was talking to him, and he says uh, it, it's buzzing. But he said the weather Hello? has held off pretty good. And, uh so far, not so bad down there in Atlanta, but the crowds are coming in. Yeah, not bad at all. You know, we got our guest on the line, so why don't we introduce him, get him on, let's get this thing going, Bill. All right, well, with that, let's welcome the man who is far more than the WIP Midday Show producer, James Seltzer. James, welcome to the show. Hey, fellas, thanks for having me on. You're way too kind. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys tonight. Hey, James, this is Chet. Bill is the other guy, and I'm glad we're finally able to get you on with us. I know you're a busy guy with your WIP duties, the High Hopes podcast that you do with a couple of your radio pals, and, of course, with having become a new daddy to Zoe Rose Seltzer eight weeks <laughs> ago. So congrats on that. How's she doing? She's doing awesome, Chet. Thanks for asking. Uh, I am uh, incredibly tired all the time, but also <laughs> very happy. So uh, it's good, man. She's great. She changes every day, and uh you know, you get through the, the tired uh, part for all the rest of it. Yep, I hear you. All right, James, congratula congratulations on that. We will hit you up with as many topics as we can in your visit with us. So first up, let's talk a little Phillies. What the heck's going on with Bryce Harper? It's been three months now since free agency opened, and we still don't have a Bryce Harper or a Manny Machado. What's going on? Yeah, I wish I had a good answer. 
Um, I mean, it's brutal. I think it's a, a much bigger issue than just these two guys. I think it's a, a major league baseball problem, an issue that um, is clearly not good for the game. It, it really, I mean, just from a Phillies fan base perspective, this was you come into the off season with all this excitement and all this hope and, you know, it, the process has played out. And even though it's so likely that they're going to get these guys or one of these guys or whatever it is, and I, I think they still get Harper that I, tr- I do believe they will end up with Bryce Harper, but it, the whole, the whole weight has really sucked all the fun and energy and excitement out of it. Um, uh, look, I, I think that it's hard to blame Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, look, this guy's trying to get the that he can get for his family and his generations of family and all that. And I know that, look, it's a lot of money, and people are like, well, what's the difference between a few million? But, I, look, he is a, a responsibility to his union. There are a lot of different reasons why. I, I don't blame Bryce Harper just trying to capitalize on the one chance that he has to have his highest earning potential in his lifetime. So, I don't blame him, but um, I think it's just a, a bigger issue where, look, I think that's, it's shocking that there aren't more teams involved on these guys that, you know, I think that's part of the reason it's taking so long is they're really trying to wait out this market and hope that they can drum up more business by waiting. Um, you know, you hear a lot of they're not in a rush type of mentality. And I also think that at least recently Scott Boris is trying to kind of play the fan base against the team and, trying to, um, you know, leak stuff that makes it seem like a deal is imminent, and then when the deal doesn't happen, it gets the fan base even more frustrated at the team for it not happening. But I also understand where the Phillies are coming from in the sense that if they're really bidding against themselves at this point, at least for Harper services, it seems, um, you know, what's, what's their rush? You know, I know that the fan base is frustrated, but, you know, they want to wait it out and get the best deal they could possibly get. So um, it's just a, a frustrating situation where ultimately these guys are going to sign. Ultimately, they're going to make a lot of money. They're going to make teams better. But the whole process, all it's done has pissed fans off. So I don't know what the right. next is. But ultimately, again, if Harvard comes here, we're all going to be jacked and excited about it. And I can't wait. But um, it's definitely sucked a lot of the fun out of it. Well, James, I, I'm not going to call it collusion. I'm going to call it smart business I, I, I by will, by the I will, owners. I will, I will say collusion, or at least I look. I don't know for sure. Obviously, no one does, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's collusion. Let's put it that way. There's some form of it, you know. Like it yeah. certainly seems that, and and I don't think it's maybe as as uh, you know duplicit as you know owners talking to each other and saying that. But I think there just seems to be a. Uh, agreed upon the level that owners are willing to go to or, or areas where owners are going to spend and they're seeming to really stick to those guidelines. So, look, I, obviously I, I'm not calling it collusion, but it definitely is an issue. And I think, you know, if I had my best guess, we're headed for some sort of work stoppage in a couple of years. Wow. Well, hey, where, where do you see uh, all, all the attention has gone over to the Harper side. What do you think about the Machado side? Is he even in this mix here in Philadelphia, do you think? Yeah, look, I think he's still in the mix, especially if, if there is some sort of, you know, unexpected curveball with Harper where he goes somewhere else, then I think the Phillies would absolutely be willing to, to pay more for Manny than any other team. But I also think it's dependent upon what the Phillies want to do. I think Machado is kind of waiting Harper out in the sense that it appears that Harper is the Phillies' primary target and that Machado is almost a luxury in addition to that, depending on what his price is. Look, I think that I think if Manny Machado were the Phillies' top target, he'd be a Philly um, because I think that they just have, for his market at least, they're offering, they have the ability to offer um, far more than we've heard offered out there on the market already. So, um, I, I think he's certainly in the mix. I still think if I had to bet, they end up with Harper and not Machado, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if they – let's put it this way. I'd be more shocked that they got neither of them than if they got both. I think it's more likely they get both Harper and Machado than neither one of the two comes. Hmm. Okay. Now, James, the Phillies did make up some nice uh, additions in the offseason. You know, Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, pitcher David Robertson. But I still think they need more starting pitching. And, you know, I checked out some of your High Hopes podcasts last week, and it sounds like you and especially Jack Fritz are on the Nick Pavetta bandwagon. 
Now, I know Aaron Nola had a breakout year last season. Will Pavetta maybe break out here in 2019? Yeah, there's no bigger Nick Pavetta fan than Jack Fritz. Jack is <laughs> long than a Nick Pavetta fan. And, uh, and the interesting thing is, is um, it does seem like there's actually a lot of Pavetta breakout type buzz, and, and not just from Philadelphia. You look at a lot of you know, websites like Fangraph and where, where there's analytical-based goal research being done. A lot of those types of people look at the numbers, look at the strikeout rate, look at the walk rate, and say, oh, this guy's going to break out. And, and the numbers suggest that he will. I, I think, as Jack has alluded to many times, you need some sort of third pitch that you can use even 10 to 15% of the time that can kind of change it up a little bit for him. But um, I think the potential is certainly there. I mean, the, the numbers are impressive, the, the underlying statistical numbers. But I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that – look, I think Aaron Nolan's an ace. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what his ceiling is anymore because he's already shattered any ceiling I think a lot of people had for him. Um, and he's so young and he's so composed. Um, but after Nolan, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, a lot of question marks. I, I do think that Pavetta is going to have a good season, and if he broke out, it wouldn't shock me. But, I mean, I have big questions about – Eflin, Velasquez, Arietta. I mean, we obviously did not see a lot of good things from Jake Arietta for the most part last season. I know yep. the end numbers weren't that bad, but when you watch him on a third short basis, I think most Phillies fans know how frustrating he was to watch. And he's getting older, and it certainly seems like there's an age decline there, too. So, um, you know, look, we saw nice things at times from Eflin last season. But we also, you know, we also saw some struggles, and we have not seen him do anything consistently over a full season, much less coming off a year where they had their highest innings on their careers. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's a question mark. And I don't I don't think that – I think there's still a, a decent chance they try and add somebody out there. Still, I don't – it wouldn't close the book on those five being the starting five or Mike Hoff and, and, you know, four of those guys. But I certainly think that in the position they're in, they do need a Nick Pavetta or an Eflin or someone to take another step forward. Agreed. James, how do you see this playing out in the bullpen? Now, you know, David Robertson, uh, I guess we can assume, is going to be the closer uh, from the right side. We still have uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez from the right side, who did a pretty good job until I think they kind of overused them at the end. How, how do you see that playing out? One falls to the eighth inning, the other guy be the ninth inning, and be in some sort of a normal rotation instead of kind of what they did last year. It seemed like they kept just running guys out there. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's certainly a, a potential likelihood, again, to see a less conventional type of bullpen strategy in terms of deploying the pitchers. But I think I also think just to the point we made before about starting pitching, I don't think that – I wouldn't be shocked if the Phillies still add somebody who maybe is a more prototypical closer, whether it is signing someone like Craig Kimbrell, who we've heard a lot of rumors about. And, you know, depending on the number and the dollars, I don't know if I'd certainly – be that uh, into that type of signing, but I, you can't rule it out. And then um, otherwise, I think Robertson probably the most likely to close. He has a lot of closing experience, obviously. I do think that they would prefer to have someone at least in that specific role, the ninth inning role, the closer role. Um, but I, I'm not, I wouldn't put it past them to, to try and play the matchups there, even though that didn't work as successfully as we hoped last year. So Anthony, I think, is more of a, the type of guy who they want to use in that Swiss Army knife type of role to be able to bring him in in high leverage situations whenever those high leverage situations occur in a game, whether it's the sixth inning, seventh inning, the eighth inning, whatever. Um, so I do think that's the role that they'd like to put him in. I agree they overworked him last year. You know, it really seemed like they didn't have a choice, and we saw him struggle. But the um, the talent is just is clear, and I think if he is, um, you know, I mean, it was a guy who had what ten, you know, ten games in the minors trying to be called up, so. I think with a little bit more time and off-season to work for Major League Baseball, I think we can expect some growth out of Sir Anthony, and I, I think he's going to be a huge piece of this bullpen. But um, I don't know. I, I think right now it's hard to bet if, if you tell me that they're not adding anyone else. I would guess that Robertson gets the first shot to close, and he's the kind of go-to guy there. But he's worked uh, you know, in other spots as well. Um, also a guy, though, for the righty-lefty thing, he does pitch really well against left-handed hitters, so that's a bonus for being able to use him situationally. But – um, I think right now it's probably the closer, but I wouldn't put it past them to add someone who maybe um, is a more prototypical guy in that role. 
James, let's switch it up and talk a little Sixers. Uh, is Jimmy Butler going to stick around? I think he's going to be here beyond the trade deadline, but is he going to stick around through next season? And part two of my question, do you have faith in Brett Brown that he can take this team or this team with a tweak or two to the next level? Uh, all right, well, let's start with Butler. Um, I agree he's going to be here past the trade deadline. I don't know. I think he's going to be here past this season, but I think, and I would have thought, you know, when they traded for him, we kind of all just assumed he'd be here. And they would, you know, that that was the, the answer long-term and they'd give him the max deal or something close. And, you know, I think he's kind of, as multiple people said, Zach Lowe on thin ice here, or Jackie McMullen, I think, said it. Um, yeah. I think that he, I think that it's going to come down to, I don't think they're going to offer him the max extension. I think if they do want bring him back, it's going to be for something less than that. I don't know if he's going to want to take that or what his market is out there. I think the bigger question is, is it right? is it the right decision? Um, you know, and you can't look at it as, oh, well, we traded for him, so thus we have to sign him. You know, if it's a sunk cost, it's a sunk cost. You don't want to, you know, make the issue worse long term. But I think it's, uh, I think a lot is really going to depend on how this, you know, last, you know, second half of the season and, and playoff run goes. I think that Butler has to ingratiate himself here. He has to show that he can work with the other two big stars on a long-term basis. And, um, I think a lot's going to play into that. If I had to bet right now, I think that they get it together enough, they play well enough on the stretch, and they bring Butler back, but not for the max extension, maybe some sort of four-year deal at a lower price, or even three-year deals if, if they can make that happen. I think that's unlikely. Um, as for um, the Brett Brown part, I don't know. I waver. I really like Brett Brown. I like him as a person. I like him as a... Um, a motivator, a leader of men, all those types of things. I, I struggle with the X's and O's with Brett. I feel like we don't see enough of the design set plays, the being, uh, you know, composed and ready for a play out of timeouts, things like that, that, that you kind of equate with good coaching. Um, but I, I do think it's kind of hard to judge the personality side and how good he is with Joel and how good he's been at um, kind of putting that all together with a lot of young guys and, and himself learning how to go from a coach of that type of team to a better team and having better players, I think, has been a learning process. So it's another situation where I think, look, Brett's only coached in the playoffs once. I'm not going to, you know, kill him for that forever. He should get another shot, and this team's certainly going to be there. But I think we'll know a lot more about Brett Brown, the coach long-term after this playoff run. If, if we see another performance where – and granted, that Celtic team was better than the Sixers. The way they were playing, obviously, without their stars, definitely didn't have the same high-end star power. But um, I think that Brett needs to, to show that he can handle the, the situation this year. And I think that will go kind of a long way. So I, I guess I've given you two kind of non-answer answers. <laughs> but I, I, think they, I think that's why they're good questions. They're, they're really two of the bigger sports what-ifs in Philadelphia right now. Mm-hmm. Well, let me switch teams, but stay on the same topic. Uh, the Flyers are on a five-game win streak. Obviously, it has a lot to do with goaltending, but overall, they're playing much better. Where does Scott Gordon fit? Um, you know, we, we had uh, Bill Meltzer on a couple weeks ago. Bill seemed to think that there would probably be a move. Uh, what do you think? If this team plays better down the stretch, I don't know if they can make the playoffs. might be too far back. But do you see them keeping Scott Gordon? Yeah, it's funny. Of course, the Flyers like would make a, a meaningless run towards the end of the season, just miss the playoffs, and hurt their their you know draft order and all that. It seems like a very Flyers thing to do. Um, I Bill would know better than I would. I lean my gut feeling is that they want to bring in a new guy and start fresh. You know, um, Scott Gordon isn't Fletcher's guy. I think Fletcher's going to want to bring in his own coach. That's what you normally see with the general manager. Look, I think if Scott Gordon goes on a tear here and they get into the playoffs and they win a series or something, then that's something where, and I don't think that's going to happen for what it's worth, but if they do, that's the type of thing that I think could keep them back, you know, next year and, and they give him an actual, you know, take the interim tag away, but I would bet that he is likely not going to be here next year and Fletcher is going to take the opportunity to pick the guy he wants and we all hope it's Quenville, obviously, um, but uh, regardless, my, my bet, and again, this is provided they don't go on some just totally unexpected, legitimate run. I don't think falling short of the playoffs, but playing well over the second half is enough. 
I think they need to go on a real deal run. Uh, otherwise, I, I would guess that Gordon is probably not back. Gotcha. One last thing for you uh, before Chet's got a couple uh, fast five questions for you before we finish up. I wanted to ask you about the Eagles and the whole Carson Wentz, Nick Foles thing. Uh, it looks like Foles is headed out of town for nothing, and Wentz is the guy. You you good with that? You buying that? Yeah, I'm good with it. And, and uh, look, I think uh, any Eagles fan would love Nick Foles for the rest of our lives. He is our hero, and you know, um, it's going to suck to see him play for another team. And obviously we all hope it's not a team in our division because that would make it suck that much worse. But um, I think that it, it it had to be done at this point. I think that you had to choose one or the other for the future. And in my mind, Wentz is the right decision based on the age, based on the upside, um, and, and based on where the contract status is now and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, it's definitely tough to see Foles go, and I understand that people are upset about it, but I don't think you could have kept both around again. Like, I don't think franchising Foles and having two unhappy quarterbacks here or some sort of, you know, move like that, which is really the only way you can find a way to keep them both here, was the right move. And I don't think trading Wentz was the right move either. I think you build with Wentz. You move forward with Wentz. So I'm okay with it. It sucks to see Nick go, but... I I understand it, and, and I, I think they did what they had to do, or they're going to do what they have to do in this situation. I, I agree. All right, James, in our last couple of minutes, we're going to play a little game. We call it Fast Five. We do this with new guests occasionally. Uh, I'm going to hit you Wonderful. with five questions. You'll hopefully give me five awesome but brief answers, and I promise there'll be no math or spelling involved, okay? I'm, I'm actually quite a speller, Chet, so, uh, <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll roll. I'll, I'll, I'll right. play it on me. Number one, who wins the next championship in Philly, the Eagles again, the Sixers, or the Phillies or Flyers? I'm going to say this with my heart and say the Phillies. Wow. Okay. Number two, assuming you've been I watching the Phillies. I quick. Yeah. yeah, I hope you're right. Assuming you've been watching the Phillies. I think the Eagles Phils. are probably the smart answer, though. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you've been watching the Phillies, I'm sure, since the early 90s. Who's your all-time favorite Philly of the last three decades? Uh, Mike Schmidt was, I grew up with Schmidt. Uh, he was the first great player I got to root for. Um, oh, wait, you're not Schmidt that old. Is, I'm 37. So I saw the end of Schmidt's career, and I grew okay. up with the legend of Schmidt. You know what I mean? Like, my, I, I grew you. up with my dad telling me that Mike Schmidt's the best baseball player ever, you know, or for his team or whatever, all that type okay. of stuff. Um, but in terms of, of my, like, youth and watching, uh, I, two guys really stick out. I loved Darren Dalton. I was a huge Dutch fan. I just loved yeah. the attitude, the way he went about his business. And uh, I love just the way, you know, a, a power-hitting lefty catcher in the middle of the lineup is just a fun. I was a catcher growing up. So that, that all really appealed to me. Um, and then of this kind of next group of guys, uh, it, I like everybody, it's Chase. I just love the, yeah. I, you know, I love the grinder attitude. I love just, you know, put your head down, go about your business, and, and win games. Can't go wrong with that. In our nearly five years of doing this little weekly show, we've had Ray Dinger on with us 11 times. I know he comes on with you guys every week. Is there a nicer guy in sports media than R. Diddy? No. Ray is the best. As, as great and legendary and many Hall of Fames that he is <laughs> as a broadcaster, writer, all that stuff, he's an even better guy. He's, the, you he's are an correct. awesome person. Yes. Absolutely. Number four, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate Joe DeCamera's knowledge of pop and rock music? <laughs> Can I go lower than one? Uh, you know, a, a negative ten? <laughs> I mean, he's all right with some classic rock stuff. And he oh, come on. He didn't know Nirvana's Nevermind. He didn't know Nirvana's no, no, Nevermind no, 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 album. That's what I mean. I mean, like, he knows, like, some, like, Doors, Zeppelin, that period. And even then, when I say know some, like, I'm telling yeah. you, he's not, like, busting out the B-side hits or anything like that. Yeah. He knows the, the, the hits, and that's about it. Not so is the answer to any – and it didn't matter whether you said rock or pop. You could have just said any kind of music, and that would be the answer with Joe. And I, I can't say that I agree with Joe's affection for either the song Careless Whisper or the movie The Notebook. But anyway, I digress. I, I, I am on your side in both. <laughs> oh, hang on, we is, got, is I got one more question for you. One more question, but we got a Wheel of Fortune checking, uh, contestant checking in right here. Philadelphia Love Eagles it. are Super Bowl champions. That's it. 
See, I can only play that, that one more time this week because, you know, it changes on Sunday. But anyway, number five, uh, we do have the Super Bowl on Sunday. Who you got, Joe or uh, James? The Patriots. I mean, you can't – in this spot, I just – I feel like they're the better team right now, and you bet on the them knowing what they're doing in this spot and all that type of stuff. I do think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. I just – I'm feeling the Patriots right now. And, and also, maybe I'll shock you with this one. I actually want the Patriots to win, which is crazy, and I didn't think I was going to feel that way, but I want the Eagles to be the last team to shut down this Patriots team in the Super Bowl. I want yep. to look back on the legacy and say, oh, look at that. The Patriots were in three straight Super Bowls. They won two of them. Which team beat them? Oh, yeah, my team beat them. I don't want the Rams to have a Super Bowl. I don't like Goff. I hate McVay. I mean, I respect him, but I hate him. Um, I, You know, five, six, who cares? Whatever. They're already the GOAT and all that. Let them get another. Yeah. I like the way you think, James. All right, James. Hey, before we finish up, let you go. Uh, Can you let our listeners know how they can listen to your High Hopes podcast and where else they can follow you? you got great information. Oh, thank you, guys. You're way too kind. Uh, As uh, as Chet said, I'm the producer of WIP Day Show with Jody Cameron and John Rucci, 10 to 2 every day. And then I do the Go Birds podcast, um, which is Apple's iTunes, Spotify, all that type of stuff. Um, and we do a radio show on Saturday on WIP 1 to 3. That's with John Bolter's morning Troy Parks. And then uh, Philly's High Hopes, me and Jack Fritz, uh, the High Hopes podcast, um, which we have a lot of fun doing too. So um, thank you for uh, for uh, allowing the shout-out and uh, having me on, guys. It's been a blast. Uh, yeah, come on anytime you guys want. All awesome. right, James. Appreciate Thanks, James. you stopping by. Let's do it again. All right, anytime, guys. Have a great night. Uh, all right, you too. Well, as usual, there's plenty going on at the Irish Rover Station House. For example, trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night, and live bands most Saturdays. On February 9th, it'll be Bases Loaded, terrific band name. Always great deals on food and drink as well. Lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour specials, a free buffet Friday nights at 11 p.m., and always 24 beers on tap. As you know, there's a big game this Sunday. It rhymes with Trooper Mole. You can watch all the action at the Irish Rover or order your wings or other tasty food items from the Rover and pick them up that afternoon. To order, call this number, 215-970-5412. Check the website for details, irishroverstationhouse.com. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. little Van Halen for you there, Bill. Well, hey, and I appreciate that. We got anything else going on that requires some music? I believe so, because I think we have another guy on the line who wants to talk with us. So here we go. Here we go. There it is. That's that's the signature. It's Fred Hugo time again, Chet. Fred, welcome back. Yo, what's up? Yo, Chet, Trooper Mole? That's what your your (laughs) rhyme was? Well, see, if, if that was a commercial, so I don't think we're allowed to say Super Bowl in the commercial. So Trooper Mole, uh, Trooper Schmole, I don't know. Schmooper Pole? <laughs> I, was, I was cracking up. <laughs> why, why, Jeff, why do I think that if we said Super Bowl in the commercial that the NFL is probably not coming after me and you? I'm not taking any chances, Furman. <laughs> well, there are millions <laughs> of listeners out there. There's no doubt exactly. about that. Hey, before we get to our Super Bowl predictions, I want to get your thoughts on the possibility that they're talking about of making plays like the uncalled pass interference or head-to-head, whichever you want to call it, uh, eligible for replay, even though it's described as a judgment call. Chet, what do you think on this? Yeah, I have mixed emotions about it because there's a lot of replay already that slows the game down, and this would do more of that, but... I really think it's important to get the calls right. And, you know, I listened to Glenn Macnow and Ray Dinger last weekend at WIP, and Glenn had an interesting idea. Uh, he said you provide all NFL games with something of a super referee who essentially watches the game on a TV screen, and then when there's an obvious missed call or wrong call, this super ref immediately contacts the head ref on the field and says, hold up, guys, we need to take a closer look at that one. Now, hopefully oh, that would only Lord. happen once or twice a game, but I think Glenn's on to something because you can't have these bad calls. That's my take. Fred. I, I didn't know Glenn said that. I'm, I kind of agree with that. It, just do what college does. You know, it, it's just, 
you it is a judgment call, but then there's complete miss calls, and uh, and that was such an egregious miss, you know, on both all levels there about pants interference, helmet to helmet, all that. So like a play like that, you just get your your little thing gets buzzed, and you you go look at it, you know, and then say and then just switch switch the call. So you got to get it right, but then you also can't have you know the whole game being replayed too. So I don't. I don't know where where you fully fix it, but you definitely can't have a call like that, you know. Well, I am going to tell you, I I am going to give you my opinion, and my opinion is absolutely not. But whatever happened to the day where another referee could overrule or, or come to the aid of the other referee and said, dang, you missed that. What what happened to that? Uh, you it know, used to happen it, all the time with – Incomplete passes uh, until the replay. You're right. I remember that. Ref would run, the one would call it incomplete. The other one would come running down the sidelines and be like, "No, it's a catch." And they sure. would overrule it. Sure. I just don't. Uh, I just don't understand it. I don't think they can possibly slow the game down any further with just more replay. If anything, they ought to get rid of the replay and make these guys do their jobs better because I think they rely on the replay too much and. Uh, I, I'm just not in favor of it. But, hey, uh, we'll get back to something along those lines with Roger Goodell here in a minute, but I, I don't want to run out of time. Before we have to uh, make our – we've been brutal all season, but we got to make one more final pick um, on our Super Bowl predictions. And I, I have to know where you guys are standing on this, but I have a, I have a factoid I want to share with you, and I just have to find it right quick. Bear with me because I think you will find this very interesting. This comes from our buddy, Kevin McClure, who is just loaded with facts and figures. But So let me run this by you really quick, okay? Um, if the Patriots win on Sunday, they will become the first team since the 72 Dolphins to win the Super Bowl after losing in a game the year before. Since that game, the 74 Vikings, the 87 Broncos, the 91, 92, and 93 Bills are the only team to get thus far. All of them have lost. I thought that was a very interesting factoid as we go to make our pick. So, with that, Mr. Fred Hugo, close out the season. Who you got? So, when I saw the line, originally offshores, it was Rams favored, which is shady to me, and then it moved all the way to minus two and a half, and I quit early, two uh, would have been two weeks ago, bet on the Patriots right away. I'm like, ah, minus two and a half. But as I'm looking at this thing and and, and going through it, um, I, I, I you don't want to go against Brady, but the the, the Rams defense – and I'm big on, on, on defense winning championships. I know that's not like it was it used to be, but their defense has has the last three, four games played played well. You know, the the points per game might not be in the teens, but they for the most part they had the Saints under control. They put the Cowboys under had the Cowboys under control. Akeem Talib is playing very well right now. I think if they can get to the passer, which Aaron Donald can um, that they can win this game. So I'm going to take the Rams in a close one. I think it's definitely going to be within that, that point spread there, a three-point game. And I think the Rams win this in the fourth quarter and, um, well, let's say, 27-24. I, I think they're offensively. They can attack the Patriots' defense, no problem. They have way too many weapons. Now they have a two-running back, a combo running back deal with Gurley and C.J. Anderson, assuming Gurley's more healthy now. I'm going to take the Rams to win this 27-24. All right. I guess I'm up. And By the way, we should mention the standings because I think this is important. I'm 6-4 and four in the postseason, guys. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Fred is 5-5, five and five and Mystery Eliminate. I mean, Bill, you are 4-6. and six. Anyway, uh, I'm honestly not rooting either way, and I haven't made any wagers, but I just think the Patriots had the experience factor, and they had the memory of that loss to the Eagles in last year's Super Bowl. And, of course, they have Tom Brady. I know Goff and McVay are already a pretty good combo, but I'm not ready to write off Brady and Belichick yet. I'm going to say Patriots win this one, 31-23. Well, uh, I, I hate to agree with you, Chet, just because <laughs> it's like the wrong thing to do. But there's no way at this point, the way that Tom Brady is playing, 
that I am going to bet against him. Uh, I think the uh, the Patriots will use a little bit of what the Eagles showed when they played the Rams. They ran right at that in Dominican Sioux. Uh, Brady is Brady. I think they'll play good defense because they always manage to play decent defense when it comes to big games, except last year's Super Bowl when they gave up a ton of points. Um, but I, I'm going Brady, and I think he's going to put on a show. And the word on the street also is uh, this could be the uh, curtain call for Gronk. This may be his last yeah. game. So that will be interesting to see as well. But I'm going Patriots. I'll go um, I'll go. 30-17. Wow. 30-17 Patriots. Wow. Right, hey. It's a one-score game, but you're going 30-17 Patriots. Okay. Yep. All right. Hey, let's jump back a little bit. Uh, it's, I'm jumping out of line here a little bit, but I just saw the Roger Goodell interview on the news uh, about the officiating and all that. What uh, What do you take on that, Chet? Uh, did you get to see it? I didn't see the interview. I just saw the you know the headline that our officials are human. So yeah, they're going to make mistakes. These things happen. That's all I know about the interview. Fred, I, I just I'm the same as Chad. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but the, the, they are human. And I, and I I saw the the quote there, and we understand that. But to your point, Bill, what you said, it's either one way or the other. Either you you get the replay to make it right, or even though they're human, they got to get the calls right. Like, we all have jobs. We work jobs. If we make egregious mistakes, we get fired <laughs> or we get – we lose hours or whatever the case may be. So there has to be some kind of accountability factor for them making these calls. There, there, there's no accountability whatsoever. Yep, absolutely. Hey, one quick question on the Sixers, and then we got to move on. Uh, Fred, they go out to L.A. They pound the Lakers last night. They're playing pretty good ball. Jimmy Butler, that whole thing, um, looks like it's false, at least for now. They're headed to Golden State. What do you think uh, on this tough road trip? They're playing pretty darn good ball. Yeah, and then the one the one game they lost, they did, they didn't even play anyone. So they're what they're five and two yeah. now. They they lucked out with no LeBron. Um, I wanted them to go 500, so we're just about there. I will say this, with Seltzer was kind of on point with Brett Brown and the X and O's. You know, I, I, he keeps putting that, that Ben Simmons, T.J. McConnell lineup out there, and they just completely lose leads. You, you can't do that with Golden State. Um, they'll probably lose to Golden State, but, hey, I mean, if they, they can get out of this run with, with a 500, or, or they're definitely probably going to be 500 now, uh, it's, a, it's a win because then we get some easier teams here coming up from there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Thursday night game out in Golden State. And I saw another headline that I didn't get to read the story, that Jimmy Butler is going to play some point guard tomorrow night. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, 4-2 or 5-2. Yeah, okay. And uh, they're doing well so far. Embiid is still a beast. Glad he wasn't hurt when he fell that uh, one play last night, hurting the back again. Uh, they're doing well. They're only four games out of first place. The Pacers, I think, are going to take a little tumble now. Oladipo out. So I think we're looking at a top three seed for the Sixers. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, we got to move on. So, Chet, I know you agree that we appreciate Fred taking time from his busy life to be part of our show for the last 20 weeks of football season. It's been a lot of fun. And, Fred, we wanted to thank you for uh, for doing that with us week in and week out. I absolutely love it, and I appreciate it, and it, it's, it's, it's awesome. So thank you for letting me on. And, um Go Rams. <laughs> and, Fred, we'll see you in a few weeks. we got something special coming up in a few weeks, and you're going to be a big part of that. So we'll uh, talk about that down the road. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one, guys. All good right. Day. Thanks, Fred. Hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yeah, you know what, Bill? It is true. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the Allstate banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website or call Dave directly, 610-430-0700. Again, it's Dave Lavoie, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. Very good. Hey, Chet, you mentioned you had a chance to visit with former Villanova Wildcat Brian Finneran earlier this morning about what's going on in Atlanta in preparation for the Super Bowl. 
Uh, I'm interested to hear his thoughts and the official's debacle as a former player. I'm sure you had a chance to talk to him about that. Yeah, we definitely did get to that, Bill. Um, Brian is part of a morning drive sports talk radio show down in Atlanta, and they are having loads of fun this week with all that Super Bowl stuff going on, of course. So I do appreciate him taking a few minutes for us. And here is our chat. Happy to be talking a little football with this guy. You know him as a star wideout with the Villanova Wildcats, a two-brief stint with the Eagles, and then a long, productive career with the Atlanta Falcons. He's a big-time radio guy down in Atlanta these days, and he's making his third visit to Philly Press Box Radio. Brian Finnerman, welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. Hey, Brian, I know you had some not-so-great weather in Atlanta the last couple of days, a bit chilly, a bit damp, but it is Super Bowl week. Both the Patriots and Rams are there. What's the atmosphere in Atlanta? It's great. Actually, that fake winter storm that came through here yesterday never happened. So we were nervous. Let's get a little snow. It never happened. And it looks like we could get a great weekend with very little rain, like 20% chance of rain Saturday and Sunday and upwards of 60 degrees. So it's looking like it's going to be fantastic. I'm actually going to head down to Radio Row and NFL Experience here in a little bit today and check that scene out. But all signs point to a great weekend. Weather's been good, a little chilly today, but for the most part, the city is rocking and rolling and ready to go. Awesome. Uh, the 2004 Eagles prevented you and the Falcons from getting to the Super Bowl. Sorry to bring that up. But uh, <laughs> what do you think it's like emotionally for first-time guys like Jared Goff and most of the other Rams heading to Sunday? Oh, man. I can only imagine what it feels like not only to get over that hump, but getting your first playoff win, which they did this year after the Falcons beat them last year in the postseason, and then moving on to the divisional, and then finally getting over the hump in the NFC title game in that crazy game and no call down there in, in uh, New Orleans. So they, I can guarantee you they appreciate it. They're thankful. And then how about Andrew Whitworth, the lineman that's been there in the league for feels like 100 years, gets a chance to go to his first Super Bowl. So different emotions for different players, depending on how long you've been in the league, what kind of grind you've had to go through. Um, you've got some rookies that have just gotten the league that are getting a chance to play in the Super Bowl the first year out. You've got guys like David Andrews, who's a three-year starter at center for the Patriots. He knows nothing but Super Bowls in his first three years. So it's different for everybody. But when you get to a big game like this and get a chance to play in the greatest game of all, for all the marbles, there's no better feeling in the world. I'll get your prediction before we wrap up. But first, the 2018 season, Brian, won't be remembered as a stellar one for NFL officiating. It just seemed like there were a lot of missed calls, many of them in important games. Just ask the Saints. Uh, what can be done to improve that situation? Well, they've talked about maybe adding an eighth guy, set of eyes upstairs, watching video and doing something like that, um, doing a better job. I don't know. We talked about making all the referees full-time employees. I don't think that solves the problem. You're still going to have human error. I mean, it happens in every game. And I knew it was a pass interference call in that Saints game when I, as soon as I saw it with my own eyes. Bang, bang, play my bahookie. That was blatant pass interference. And I saw it, and I couldn't believe they didn't throw a flag. But that's part of our game. They missed face masks throughout the course of that game. They called a phantom roughing the quarterback against the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. against Tom Brady. So they miss holding calls. They miss pass interference. There's hand fighting. I, I like the way that the referees called this postseason. It seemed like they let them play a little bit and get a little handsy from time to time. Now, the fact that they missed that, that egregious call, that the non-call that they missed, that was bad. It was just on the biggest stage at the biggest moment in a key part of the game, and that's a bad look for the NFL. But for the most part, in my opinion, the referees have done a really, really good job this season. So should more plays and calls be reviewable, or is that not a good idea? I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. I think if you keep it at two challenges for the game and inside that two-minute warning late in the game, just about, I mean, when you miss calls like that, they have to do something to fix it because you can't be at home when you're supposed to be in the Super Bowl in moments like that. So under two minutes, I think a lot of those plays that you're talking about, egregious holding penalties on a defensive, on an offensive lineman, Pass interference, that's blatant. Holding penalties against defensive backs, I think you have to get those right late in games. So I don't think you need to increase the amount of challenges a coach gets, but make them give them the ability to do something different late in games. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm sure you know what's going on in Philly. Nick Foles took over for an injured Carson Wentz the last two seasons, led the Eagles to that Super Bowl win last year. You've seen Wentz several times in his three years in the league, I know. Is he a true franchise quarterback? No question. He's got the size, the arm strength. And you knew it coming in that he might struggle a little bit with injuries just because of his athleticism and his competitive nature. You never lose that as a football player, but when you play quarterback in the NFL, you have to lose it. You have to understand how important it is to keep yourself healthy. And unfortunately, he's put himself in some bad moments and bad positions where he's gotten banged up and uh, has been out of games where his team has needed him. So 
I absolutely think um, Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback. I think he proved it when he was having an NFL MVP-type numbers uh, over the course of his career in different moments. So, yeah, you guys got a good one up there in um, Carson Wentz, and he'll be fine if he can stay healthy. All right. Hey, last Sunday we had the Pro Bowl. It's the opinion of a lot of fans that it's become something of an unwatchable event and should maybe be done away with. What's your take? It's football. I think they had over 8 million viewers, which almost doubled the NBA Finals or something ridiculous. So it's football. It's a Sunday afternoon, and NFL players are out there running around pretending to play. <laughs> I think they can be improved. How do they do it? I don't know. Maybe tackle somebody to the ground every once in a while, and it's in the rain. So it's a tough, tough product. With that said, people still watch it. And I don't know if they're betting on the fantasy part of it or gamblers are betting on the game or whatever it might be, but – People still watch it because it's football, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Can it be improved? Sure. How? I don't know. Make it more like football, I guess, but nobody wants to go out there and tackle each other yeah. uh, one last time. Quick baseball question. The Braves won the NL East last year. The Nationals paid a small fortune to acquire Patrick Corbin. The Mets and Phillies both added some talent. Maybe Bryce Harper's coming to the Phillies. We still are waiting for that. Is this going to be a real good competitive division, the NL East, this year? It certainly feels like it, and we're getting scared down here in Atlanta that the Braves haven't done enough. Uh, you brought in Brian McCann to help with Tyler Flowers at the quick catcher position. Uh, Josh Donaldson to sure up that third base. Now you got Camargo, who can be a utility player all across the field. You brought back Nick Markakis, who's a fine move, but it doesn't do anything to excite the fan base down here. So, yeah, it feels like even though we won the division last year, everybody else has kind of made some moves to catch up a little bit. So I think absolutely should be a competitive division. And if the Phillies end up landing Harper, that would be quite a move for them as well. By the way, last spring, Villanova, Jay Wright's uh, Wildcats won another national title. I guess that made you pretty happy? No doubt. Unbelievable. The only thing I was upset about is they didn't call me back to do the team stream yeah. on uh, True TV. They let Randy Foyer do it. Randy <laughs> Foyer, former Villanova basketball player, which I understand, but I got to do it back in 2016, and I thought they might keep the game together. So they kicked me off the broadcast, which I was not pleased with, but uh, I understand the move. But to see that team play the way they played two out of the last three years and the run they made last year covering every point spread down the stretch and putting a whooping on Michigan was was as fun as I've been a part of uh, as rooting for my alma mater and uh, being a Villanova Wildcat. Yep, pretty awesome. All right, Brian, prediction time. How do you see Sunday's Super Bowl 53? Belichick and Brady versus McVay and Goff, what's going to happen? Well, I can tell you what I'd like to see happen. I'd like to see the Rams win this thing. I think they have the talent and the skill. We just had Les Snead, the GM for the Rams, on today, and he talked about beefing up that defensive line with Ndamukong Sue and Brockers being healthy and everything else that goes into it, and obviously one of the defensive players of the year and Aaron Donald. So if those guys can have any success at all getting after Tom Brady, I mean tip passes, bumping him, hitting him a little bit, because that offensive line for the Patriots has been phenomenal. Only three hits through two playoff games so far. So you got to affect Brady if you're going to win. I think they can do that. I'll take the Rams like 31-28 and a close one. My, that's my heart talking. My mm. mind tells me the Patriots figure out a way to pull out another one. I hear you. By the way, how are the $2 hot dogs at the stadium? They're as good as it gets. Plus, <laughs> they taste better when they're cheaper like that. So it's <laughs> a hot dog, so you just got to deal with putting that in your body. You got it. Brian, enjoy <laughs> the madness down there in Atlanta this week. Say hi to my old friend Sandra Golden, and thanks again for visiting Philly Press Box Radio. Happy to do it, Chet. Have a good one. Hey, good stuff, Chet. I, I tell you what, I'm a little surprised at one thing. Hmm. Um that he thinks overall the NFL officiating was pretty decent. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there are those, as he said, egregious calls that were missed or, you know, messed up, and they do stand out, but he's just saying overall it wasn't bad. But, yeah, it's a shame when you have those calls that influence games, and, you know, that that hurts. Yeah, well, and, you know, I guess my, my other point with that would be that uh, – you know, we, we got to see it week in and week out, and it wasn't just in Eagles games. It was in every game we were seeing crazy calls made. And uh, interesting that he that he thinks that from a former player's perspective where, you know, he's a radio sports guy. He doesn't have to be politically correct. But uh, interesting, interesting viewpoint for me. And I think his prediction is similar to a lot of people's around the country. They're picking the Rams, but it's kind of with their heart. But when they use their head, they're saying the Patriots are probably going to win. I think a lot of people have that same approach. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Bill. I can't, What's going no, on? I, can't, no, I can't say it was by popular demand, but regardless, we are forging ahead with a third season of Random Q2. For our new listeners who uh, maybe you know haven't heard of this, or if you're a regular and you have a failing memory, I'll tell you that Random Q2 is a little 10-week series where over two minutes or so each week, I will hit Bill with two questions 
One will be about a sports topic, something timely usually, while the second question will be one of ten random questions that have already been written down about whatever. Bill will pick a number from one to ten each week for that one, the second question. A mere two minutes of fun or agony each week. So that being said, here we go. Now, I was going to ask you about uh, the NFL officiating. We're going to talk more about that, but we already discussed that, so I have a backup question ready to go, as I usually do. The NHL All-Star Game and the NFL's Pro Bowl were played last weekend. How much viewing time did you give those two wonderful sporting events? Oh, well, I gave them both the same, Chet. <laughs> Not much, one Bill? second. Not <laughs> one second. Yeah, I believe. I turned the Pro Bowl on for about probably a half hour, but I was working on the computer, so I barely even looked up at the screen. Uh, I well, understand. I, I will tell you this, Chet. The Pro Bowl was unwatchable when it was in Hawaii. Yeah, it was really unwatchable when it was in Orlando in the pouring rain. Yeah, I know. I saw they had the rain going on when I turned it on. Oh well. For your second question, Bill. Well, you know the drill. Pick a number, one through ten. Uh, let's go with um, uh, James mentioned Darren Dalton today. Let's go with number ten for Dutch. Number ten. All right. <laughs> I don't know where I got these questions, but here we go. <laughs> Me if neither. Here we be- go. If you had to be trapped in a TV show, any era, for one month, what show would it be? Trapped in a TV show? Yeah. Oh, jeez whiz. Man, where, where do you get these questions? Jeez. <laughs> um, well, I will have to go with one of my all-time favorite shows, and it's now out on Remake. I would have to be stuck in Hawaii, on Hawaii Five O, for how how long can I stay? One month. One month. I'm yep. in. I can I All can right. go to Oahu, uh, be there for a month, and I could do whatever they wanted me to do for a month. Yeah, that's not bad. I would say Seinfeld just because I love the show and all the characters. I like to hang out with them. Or maybe Petticoat Junction from my youth because I had a crush on all the girls on Petticoat Junction. So, <laughs> Well, I was I was trying to think of a show with Kate Beckinsale, but I couldn't come up with one because <laughs> she does other stuff. Speaking, uh, of Kate, so speaking of Kate, oh, my God, she had a little uh, mishap over the weekend. She had uh, a ruptured cyst, ovarian cyst. She was in the hospital for a, a day or two, but she's doing better, so – Everybody who's worried about Kate, fear not, she will come through this. I, I saw you post that in, in morning <laughs> that uh, yes. Kate was in trouble. Hey, yeah, well, good so, deal. Right. Yeah. How'd I do tonight? Eh, not bad. Hey, I'll give you a, a solid B. B? What do you want? <laughs> I'm a I tough took grader. You to Hawaii for, I took you to Hawaii for a month, and I didn't watch the All-Star game. I am a it tough grader. It better than that. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, Chad, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly sports teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC one one eight Razroom. That's right. It's PPCC one one eight Razroom on Facebook. And by the way, Chet, um, whether you visit the page or not, they uh, just had a Tom Brady helmet out there, and currently have a little Nick Foles autograph item up there as well. Lots of good stuff. Very very nice. All right. Mr. Chesco, tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable next week. You keep rounding up great guests. Just got confirmation on this one about two hours ago. Next week, when we have James Seltzer tonight, we have another WIP personality next week. Back for a third visit, WIP's Glenn Macnow will join us. And oh. we, should, we should have a second guest also. This is not confirmed, but I'm optimistic it's going to happen, and I get to say it this way. Hold on, Bill. We're coming in for a landing. Yeah, we're also hopefully going to hear from the television voice of the Philadelphia 76ers celebrating his 25th year behind the mic, the great Mark Zumoff. Hopefully this will happen. That is awesome. Great job. If we don't get Mark, we know Glenn's going to be great. So if we get a double dip, we got, we got a special show, that's for sure. You know it. All right. 
So, all right, Chad, hey, we want to let our listeners and remind our loyal listeners to visit our Philly Press Box Radio website, phillypressboxradio.com. We cover all the big stories of the Philly sports teams. We also write a few articles ourselves, and you can listen to our last two podcasts and our latest Vimeo as well. We still have our sponsor banners going across the top. You can click on the Irish Rover Station House, BobSullivan'sLikeYourAge.com, Allstate Insurance, of Westchester's banners to go directly to their websites. Remember, it's phillypressboxradio.com. Well, Mr. Chesco, parting shot for you tonight, sir. Yeah, and before I do the parting shot, uh, you mentioned the website. Please, if you're listening now, you obviously know how to find us, but uh, subscribe to our show also on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to the show called Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. We are also on Stitcher, and I really like the way you can access us on the TuneIn app. I'm a big fan of TuneIn, so favorite us on there. Now, the parting shot. Hey, hey, hey before yeah. you go there, just for a clarification, they cannot type in Philly Press Box Radio, right? It's got to be Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Yes, because if you just type in Philly Press Box Radio, it will take you to a show that we did for a while in the summer. We were with Wildfire Radio for a while, which was a great you know, venue, but uh, we're not there anymore, and so you just get the – 14 or 18 shows that we did there in the summer. So, yeah, Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable on iTunes. Make sure you do that. All right. Parting shot. Yes, sir. Uh, Bill, this Friday will be a bit different from the last 26 years heading into Super Bowl weekend. No wing ball. With the Eagles finally winning a Lombardi trophy last year, WIP announced in October that wing ball was history. But since the Friday morning event meant big business for several local bars, a few of them, plus a rival sports talk station, are hoping to fill the void. 97.5 The Fanatic is teaming up with the Philadelphia Cornhole League to host the first-ever Super Hole weekend starting at 6 a.m. at the Met Philadelphia, of all places. You can download free tickets from 97.5's website. Uh, there's an after-party also at Delilah's, and my sources tell me that's a gentleman's club or something. In fact, they're going to have uh, some kind of stripper palooza event, all sorts of strippers at Delilah's for the after-party. Meanwhile, a couple of rival gentlemen's clubs, cheerleaders and Club Risque, will open their doors at 7 a.m. for a wing-eating competition, a breakfast buffet, live music, and, yes, the Stripper Olympics. $20 admission for either club or 30 bucks to go back and forth from both of those clubs. Oh, that event has been dubbed Wing Pole, get it? Separately, legendary cheesesteak establishment Donkey's Place in Camden will host a wing-eating contest both Friday and Saturday mornings with five-time wing bowl champ El Wingador said to be making an appearance on Saturday. So, wing bowl may be gone, but there will still be some partying early on Friday. And since I don't have to be at my radio gig till noon, well, you know, we'll see. Um, okay, can you give me a little clarification about that pole pun? I'm not, I'm not up on that. Wing pole. See, these are dancers, and they have a pole at the. Never mind. I'll tell you off the air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> hey, yeah, I know. just a couple things we missed, Chet. Jimmy Rollins is back in the fold with the Phillies. Interestingly enough, a 40-year-old is going to be, uh, I guess, do some public relations work, do maybe a little eyeball scouting and coaching, and uh, help it out at spring training. Uh, good to have J. Roll back in the fold. Good for J. Roll. Yes. My second thing, Chet. I'm going to throw a name out for you to not forget, okay, because we're going to talk about him a lot over the next 10 years that we're doing this show, and that would be that Morgan Frost. Ever heard of him? Yes, high-scoring forward for the Flyers, doing very well. Flyers, he is killing it right now, 78 points in 40 games for the 19-year-old. He is the deal. Um, 116 points last year, 112 points a year before. He is a scoring machine. He's 19 years old. It's time to start making moves and get some of these offensive youngsters up and doing their thing. That's my misses for today, Mr. Chesco. Take it away, Bill. All right. Are you are you done? I'm done. It's top of the hour. We got to wrap it up, man. I got to go eat some dinner. All right. Well. With that, we've reached the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guests tonight, James Seltzer, Brian Finneran, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, February 6th at 7 p.m., you can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, 
on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes and TuneIn. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. That's it. (laughs) 